Well, good morning, Sunrise. How are you guys doing today? Happy Easter. Happy Easter. He is risen, and he is risen indeed. Amen. Why don't you guys stand with us? I want to say a special welcome to you all for joining us on this great day, and welcome to those of you maybe with us for the first time. We're going to worship and celebrate together, so let's sing together. Let's do this. I was buried beneath my shame and Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb Till I met you I was breathing but not I try to hide It was my time Till I met you You called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your our story. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. Chains break out the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. Now you call me the citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now
called us out of darkness into light, and we've been saved and raised up through his defeat and his sin, through his resurrection. There's nothing better than him. There's nothing better than him. So hear these words from Psalm 30. You turned my mourning into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. So let's continue to sing that there's nothing, nothing better than him. Let's worship. Turn bolts into armies. 
Christ, my 
came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave had no hold on me then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried understand so much more good than we can realize your authority over heaven over earth over all God we just can't even understand it thank you that you know us thank you that you love us thank you despite all of our brokenness you see us you gave your life for us and thank you that that wasn't the end of the story that you overcame you overcame the grave and death and hell and you reign God thank you that we can worship you that we can join with the angels in heaven that we can join with creation that we can praise you Help us to rest in the hope that you give. And when we see it and when we don't, thank you that you are faithful, you are steadfast, you never change. Help us to see that today. Help us to see that and trust that when it's hard. Thank you for your goodness. 
your faithfulness, your love, your mercy, your power, your authority. Thank you for Jesus. Open our eyes to see more of you today and to experience your love maybe in a new way that we haven't before or haven't in a while. Thank you for your love and your goodness, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Good morning again. <laughs> Dan already said it, but um, he is risen. It's, my name is Carissa, and it's just a privilege to be able to gather with everybody here and just worship on this Easter and celebrate together. Um, it's good to be together. Uh, I just want to welcome you all to Sunrise. Um, many of you have called Sunrise your home for a long time. Um, for those of you who may, might be visiting for the first time this morning, we want to say a special welcome to you. For those watching online as well, a welcome to you. Um, if you are visiting for the first time, we really would just love to say thank you. We promise we're not going to do anything scary, um, but just thank you for being here this morning. If you're here in person, you can stop in the lobby at the Connect table afterward, and we have a gift for you there. Um, if you're watching online, um, you can look for the link in the comments, and anybody here, you can also scan the QR code, and that'll bring you to our website, and you can find out a little bit more about us. You can also see all of the announcements that I'm about to show share with you right now, which we do have several things coming up in the next two weeks here. Um, we'll kind of go through in chronological order. On April 16, so a week from tonight, we are going to have our second high school hangout. And this is actually for anyone 8th grade through 12th grade. Um, just a chance, it's super informal, a chance to go to the Moles house. And you can see there, there's an email address that you can send a message to to find out their address. I don't know, I guess they don't want people just showing up and like TPing. That's what we used to do to our youth leader, but pastors too, whatever. So um, 5.30 next Sunday. Oh, he says it's good. Good. Bring the toilet paper. Um, <laughs> we're going to have pizza games, just a time to hang out. Um, similarly, in about a week and a half on April 19, we're going to have an event here at the church that's open to all ages. And there will be pizza there as well. Um, if you have a favorite game or two or 12, bring them along. We'll have some games here too. That's at 6 p.m. And again, that's not exclusive to high school. That's everybody. Just come and hang out and uh, you can decide how competitive you want to be with that. Um, and if you can come, we just would like to give a head count for pizza. So Dan's email address is on the screen if you can give an RSVP about that. Um, not involving pizza, but on April 22, there's going to be a different kind of an opportunity. Uh, discipleship training, and this is multi-church, um, lots of different people there. So if you are at all interested, that's going to be on April 22 from 9.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. And you can RSVP for that on the events page if you would like to participate in that. 
Finally, um, two weeks from today, we are going to have a partnership class. And if you are new to Sunrise, or if you've been attending for a long time, but you've just never participated in this, this is a great way to learn more about our church, about the ministries, even a little bit about our history, and just get connected with people. Um, we would love for you to come on in after the service. Lunch will be provided. Um, we do ask you as well to RSVP, so we just know how many people to plan on. There's no commitment. It's not like you go through the course and then, you know, we take a thumbprint or drop of blood or anything like that. Nothing like that. Just a chance to find out more about our church and ways you can get connected. So all of that information is on our website or the Sunrise app, and you can find out more. But right now, we would like to take a couple minutes to stand, say hello to people, grab more coffee in the back. And this is also when our kids can be dismissed for the super exciting Easter egg, egg hunt and children's ministry. So take a moment. All right. Good morning, Sunrise family. I want to thank Roger for paying attention and actually responding to that. <laughs> hey, great. If, uh, if you are a visitor with us today, we are really thankful for you to be here. Uh, my name is Dennis. Uh, I'm, I'm the pastor. Uh, as you can tell, uh, today is going to be a, a full and a good day. We're going to be gathering around the Lord's table a little bit later on. Um, and we're going to be talking uh, about living the resurrection. So if you've been in this business, the business that I'm in, right, vocational ministry, pastoral type stuff, for any length of time at all, you realize that there are certain expectations that are laid upon us pastor types when it comes to certain times of the year, Christmas especially, um, you know, some, some, some of the secular holidays like Mother's Day, Father's Day, <laughs> some of the moms are like, oh, how dare you call that secular. Um, <laughs> Right? But one of the interesting things about, about a time like Easter is that all of you come and you expect to hear a message about the resurrection. Amen? Yeah. And you expect to hear it in a fresh way, in a way that you've never heard it before. <laughs> so right at the outset, I just want to say, get ready for disappointment. No, we come and we gather, and, and every Sunday is supposed to be a time where we come and we gather together and we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, right? It's what sets us apart as followers of Him. But I wonder today if, as we celebrate the resurrection, it might be helpful for us to consider what it means to live the resurrection. Might I suggest that, that your ability and my ability, those of us who follow Christ, our ability to live the resurrection is directly connected to a couple of different things. Number one, our commitment to love the Savior. And number two, our commitment to follow the Savior. And if Jesus really meant what he said, if we are to love the Savior, that love is demonstrated by love for our neighbor. And if we are to follow the Savior, following Him means laying down our lives for one another. You see, friends, my ability to live the resurrection isn't tied to my past. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Right? It's not about where I've been or what I've done or who I've been associated with. It's, it's not about, praise God, my successes or my failures. It's not about my job or my vocation. 
You see, this is one of the things, growing up in, in, in the place, in the space where I grew up, um, and I think I've shared this with, with many of you, um, wonderful family, wonderful home. Like if life is a five-step race, I had a four-and-a-half-step head start because of who my parents were and, and those kinds of things. But, but I was kind of raised in a context that if you really wanted to follow Jesus, well, then you had to be a pastor type. Might I contend that living the resurrection has nothing to do with your vocation? But the calling to live the resurrection permeates to each and every person who names the name of Christ, no matter what we do to put food on the table. I'm thankful that my ability to live the resurrection isn't dependent upon me having all the right answers. I don't have to be certain. You heard it here first. How often do you hear that? Again, from us pastor types, you don't have to be certain. It's okay. You don't have to have it all together. Doubt doesn't disqualify. Confusion does not cancel. No. No, living the resurrection is directly connected to my commitment to love. And my willingness and desire to follow. Sometimes I think on these big and important days, it's important for us to be reminded that we are emissaries. Emissaries of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that being his emissary, his ambassador, doesn't demand that we're perfect. But we're called to have a settled intention. A settled intention, and maybe, maybe on today of all days, it's important for us to think about it in this way. It's not about perfection. It's about having a settled intention to just take one more step in the direction that Jesus is heading. In light of all this, I, I thought maybe John chapter 21 would be a good, a good place for us to, to land today. It's one of my favorite passages, and it's, it's super connected. And it's kind of the, the end of a story and the beginning of a story all at one time. Let's, let's, let's read it together, and then, then we'll, we'll, we'll talk through. So John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19, um, very familiar, and we're just going to unpack this together today and just see what the Lord might have to say to us. When they, uh, Jesus and uh, seven of his disciples, had finished eating, uh, isn't it funny how Jesus is eating all the time? <laughs> like, it seems like... Forevermore, Jesus is around a table with somebody, and more than half the time, it's around, it's around a table with somebody that he ought not be around a table with. He's my, my man, Jesus. Um, and Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, right, calling, calling Simon by his pre-name change name, it's interesting, son of John, calling out his, his heritage, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Simon said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Literally, the word for feed here means to, to tend, to take care of. But basically, to think about it in, in this way, anything that a person who is a, a farmer or a rancher or, or, or whatever would do to take care of their livestock, that's what Jesus is telling Peter to do. Take care of my lambs. 
The word lambs here is really interesting as well because it, it, this word is only used by John in the New Testament. How funny is that? At this point, you should be like, oh, yeah, oh. Okay? <laughs> only John uses this, this word, and the vast majority of the times that it is used by John is in the book of Revelation. Oh. Oh, yeah, really, really intriguing. And this is the only time that it's used of someone other than the risen Christ himself. Now, you've got my attention. This word is, aside from this instance, exclusively used to talk about the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Oh. Feed my lambs, feed my emissaries, feed my people my community, those who follow after me. And again, Jesus said, right, we're on repeat here, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He, Simon, Simon Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Literally, the word here for take care of is shepherd. Shepherd my sheep, guard them, feed them, lead them, be with them. Another interesting nuance at this point in this conversation is that, and we wouldn't pick it up in our English translations, but Peter and, and Jesus at this point are using two different words for love. In these first two instances, Jesus has asked Peter, Peter, do you agape me? The word that typically we, we associate with sort of the, the, the divine love, the God-inspired love, the God-like love, right? The love that keeps going, the love that, that, that can't be quenched, the love that Jesus showed. It, it's actually the word that's used in, in, earlier in John where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he said, I give you a new command that you would love one another, right? Jesus is saying, Peter, do you agape me? And what's interesting is that in, in, in both of these first two instances, Peter answers Jesus, Jesus, you know that I phileo you. You know that I love you like a brother. You know that I love you as much as I can. Well, keep a pin in that. We'll get to that here in a second. Verse 17. The third time, he, Jesus, said to him, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. Right? I get this. As someone who loves and who is loved, you have somebody that, that asked you a repeated question, and it's almost like, you, you know, do you love me? Yes, I do. Nah, you don't understand what I'm saying. Do you love me? Yes, I do. You, yeah, you don't understand what I'm saying. And Peter was hurt because the third time Jesus asked, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, this is Jesus to Peter. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. At this point in your life, Peter, you've, you've kind of done what you wanted to do. You've been your own man. You've set your own course, but when you're old, it's interesting, I think that the, the, the contrast here is, is, is funny to me, like, like being old, a person that's old is simply someone that's older than me, <laughs> right, do you, you get that, right? It's like my dad's like, ah, I'm not old, 
You know, Jimmy Carter's old, right? <laughs> Dad, if you're watching, I love you. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hand and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. It's really important. And then Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. This passage has a context. It has several contexts, actually, that, that, that will shed some light on some of these things and why Jesus used the words that he used and, and, and why Peter responded in the way that he, that he responded. And hopefully it'll be a, an opportunity for us to, to consider for ourselves how we would answer those questions should they be asked to us. This context is, is immediately, a, 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 this is a breakfast meeting right after a, a hard night's work. This is the third time that Jesus has appeared to a group of his apostles. And the fifth time, uh, according to the gospel accounts, that Jesus has actually made an appearance. The first appearance was when Mary encountered Jesus uh, in the garden after everyone had left the empty tomb, the second time Jesus appeared to two nameless disciples on the road to Emmaus, whose hearts burned inside of them as Jesus began with the Old Testament and told God's story and how he was the fulfillment of that story. Resurrection Sunday night, while ten of the apostles were locked in an upper room, Jesus appeared to them, minus Judas the betrayer and Thomas the doubter displaying the wounds in his hands and his side. Number four took place a week later, where 11 to 10 plus Thomas were locked in that same room. And Thomas was invited, come and see my hands, see my side. And he declared, my Lord and my God. You see, this breakfast meeting with Jesus, friends, is the, is the fifth time, at least according to the Gospels, that Jesus has, has appeared to some of his, his disciples or followers, and the third time that he's appeared to at least a subset of the apostles. And in this meeting, as I said earlier, there were seven apostles, including Jesus, and they had gone back to the place where everything had started. Seven men, including Peter. Peter, the the brash leader, the, the outspoken one, had declared to six of his brothers, I'm going fishing. And after all night fishing, having caught nothing, dejected and weary as only wet, cold, and hungry fishermen can be, they hear a voice calling from the bank. <laughs> Hey, you got any fish? That, Chris, that's the Appalachian translation right there. <laughs> As we know, that's probably how Jesus talked. I mean, really. No! Came the disheartened, probably mildly frustrated but not remotely reminiscent response from the unsuccessful fish fisherman. 
To which the voice crawled out again. Throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Now they'd heard this before. This wasn't the first time that a voice had told them to throw their nets on the other side of the boat. Now at the very least, Peter and Andrew, his brother, and James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, they, they recalled a voice telling them to do this. They recalled the teacher who had stood on the bow of the boat, who had had them push out a little bit from the bank, who had taught the people, and as they had finished up washing their nets after three years prior, having fished all night and not caught anything that night either, they recalled the day, the voice, his voice, (laughs) had urged them to cast their nets on the other side of the boat. Can you imagine the knowing glances between at least those four? Or the others who had no doubt heard that story ad nauseum? See, you know what it's like, right? You got a really good story, you tell that story over and over, right? And the people that you love, they know the stories that you tell. And I wonder if they sort of stood there with their nets in their hand. And they threw them out. You see, just like last time, this time they obeyed. Just like last time, the nets were filled to the point of breaking. Just like last time, there was no doubt who the voice belonged to. It belonged to the man on the bank, and he is the Messiah. John looks at Peter and and makes the, the dumbest, most obvious statement in the world. Thank you, Captain Obvious. John, it's the Lord. Right? And the guys are like, no kidding, Sherlock. The first time this happened, friends, three years earlier, Peter fell to his knees and he asked Jesus to go away from him because he was confronted by his own sinfulness and the power and the majesty and the holiness of the Savior. But this time, this time he jumped in the water and he swam to shore because the only thing that Peter couldn't bear at this point was to be separated from his Savior. When he got to the, to the banks of the shore, he, he found a small fire, a, a fire of burning coals, it, it talks about, the, a small charcoal fire. And, and I wonder, like, you, as I read this, I, I, right, can you smell it, right? You can, you can smell that, that pungent smell of those, of those coals, that smoky smell, those glowing embers, and I wonder if if that elicited any kind of memories for Peter that had been locked in his brain, the tinge of relief that Jesus was in fact there alive where it all started, where he had said the first time, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. You'll no longer fish for fish, Peter. I will make you a fisher of men. 
this is the context of this breakfast conversation. And, and if that's the context or part of the context, the, the, the content is, 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 is really, really interesting and gripping to me, especially the fact that Jesus essentially asked the same question three times and Peter essentially gives the same answer three times, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. But why would Jesus and Peter use different words when they were saying this? I wonder if it has anything to do, if we would flip back to John chapter 13, because this, I had mentioned earlier that the word agape, that word love is the word that Jesus had used when he gave the new command. A new command I give you, John 13, 34, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another by this. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Agape, 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 agape. It was in this context that Jesus is telling his, in chapter 13, that Jesus is telling his disciples, he's giving them a hint about what's going to take place, about what they've just lived through over the last couple of weeks or month or so, Right? He's telling them that he's got to go away. He's telling them all these things are going to happen. And then he's, he's basically saying, listen, the thing that you have to remain, you have to remember to do is that this is my new command. Love each other. When I'm gone, love each other. That's what's going to make the difference. That's going to be your best apologetic. That's what's going to hold you together. And Peter, in his brashness, basically declares, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And Peter asked, why can I not follow you now? Listen to this. I will lay down my life for you. Lord, these other guys don't get it. I get it. Lord, you can tell me because I'm the one. I, there's nothing that will ever stop me from following you. My love, yes, this God's, I've got it. I've got the God-sized love. I know what it means. Except for the fact that he didn't. He didn't. It was a few chapters later in John chapter 18 that we see that, that Jesus' words come true very, true, very truly. Verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 34, or 38b. Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And in John chapter 18, that's exactly what happened. You see, Peter thought he knew who he was. He thought he knew what it was to love the Savior until he was confronted by a young girl outside of the place where Jesus was being held and on trial. Yeah, see, he thought he was the one who was ready to lay down his life for the Savior until someone confronted him and asked, are you one of his disciples? And he said, no. Not once, not twice, but three times he said, I don't know the man standing around a charcoal fire. Do you know how many times the Scriptures talk about a charcoal fire? Any guesses? Twice. John 18 is the first. Where Peter stands denying the Savior. How many times? <laughs> As the embers glow, do you know him? I don't know him. As the smoky smell wafts, do you, aren't you one of his disciples? No, I don't know him. 
as that smell locks in that moment for Peter. I know I've seen you with him. I don't know the man. And the rooster crows and Peter runs off into the night. And now Peter stands at the side of Jesus, sitting with his brothers, eating at another charcoal fire where, where Jesus asked them, do you love me? How many times? <laughs> There's a couple of nuances here that, that, that really intrigue me as well in the question. See, in Jesus' first question and, and Peter's last answer, there's a little bit of a, of a shake-up here that, that, that I find very, very intriguing is, is that Jesus looks at Peter and he says, do you love me more than these? And it's, it's interesting because in the Greek, we're not exactly sure who the these are. It could be one of two things. It could be the fish, or it could be the other disciples. So in essence, it, it, it could read, by grammatical inference, Peter, do you love me more than your brothers? Are you still the arrogant, brash, self-righteous know-it-all who said back in John 13 that you'd follow me no matter what the rest of them did? Or are you the person that I knew you would become when I changed your name from Simon to the rock. Peter, do you love me more than these fish? You see, friends, here's, here's the, the thing that I think we don't often pick up. When Peter said to his brothers, hey, I'm going fishing, just before this passage that we're looking at, uh, Peter wasn't a recreational fisher. He wasn't a recreational fisherman, right? Like the Jansen boys. This was his job. This was his vocation. Peter was in a, the crucible of a crisis of faith. I believe with all of my heart, when Peter looked at those guys and he said, I'm going fishing, I believe that Peter had thought, my behavior has disqualified me from ever following Jesus, from being the person that he had called me to be. You see, this is my, my crackpot theory, is that I think that, that Peter was going back to fishing because he thought, I'm no longer worthy. to do what Jesus had called me to do because I messed up so badly. And yet here we are, beside a charcoal fire, looking into the eyes of the risen Savior, being asked the question, do you love me? And for the first time in his life, Peter, I think, understands himself well enough to say, Lord, I love you as much as I can. I love you with all that I have, but I'm not going to be so brash to say that I love you perfectly in a God-shaped love. I love you with all that I have. And this brings us to this, this, right, the third answer. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. What else is interesting is this third time that Jesus asked, do you love me? He actually goes to where Peter is. Peter, do you follow me? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And those three answers. Tend to, my, tend to my lambs. Shepherd my sheep. Tend to my sheep. Three answers. You know what's funny about this passage of scripture, folks, is that it's I don't think it's about Peter's belief in Jesus. I think it's about Jesus' belief in Peter. 
maybe something that, that you don't often hear, right? We talk a lot about believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus. But, but one of the things that I think that this passage teaches us, and, and, right, and, and the table reminds us of, is that the message of the gospel isn't just an invitation to believe in Jesus. It's an assurance that Jesus has believed in you. That he has come to you. <laughs> that he has taken the journey from heaven to earth. That he has lived a perfect and sinless life. That he has taken upon all your guilt and all your shame and all your sin. That he has borne your punishment and has given you his righteousness. It's a declaration of his belief. Of his love. Of his faithfulness. And I love this at the very end. What is the last thing that we see in these few verses that Jesus says to Peter? It's a reinstitution of the thing that he told him at their first meeting three years prior. Follow me. You've not, Peter, sinned or failed your way out of service. You see, because it's never been about us being good enough or running fast enough or jumping high enough. No, this is, this is how they'll know that you're my disciples. If you love one another. As the worship team comes and as the, the, the elders come forward today, folks, we're going to... Yeah, Corey, that includes you. Yeah, Lindsay, thank you. We're going to conclude our, our time today by, by singing a couple more songs and, and, and by um, gathering around the Lord's table. And as we, we do this, th- th- there are a couple things. We're, we're, going to, um, we're going to pray here in a couple minutes. I'm going to hand out some of the elements. There are, there's, there's, there's bread here, but for those of you that may have a little bit of a gluten intolerance or, or anything like that, there's also little, I don't know what they're made out of. But they're here, Corey. Yeah. But as we come, here's, here's what I want you to consider. I want you to consider these two questions that Jesus asked to Peter. And I want you to consider them for yourself. Dennis, do you love me? You worry so much about achievement about being better, about, about, about all the things, about running faster, about, all, all of the, about jumping higher, about all these, 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 these religious accoutrements. You, you, you worry about your successes and you worry about your failures. But the, but the question I think that Jesus asked us is the same question that he asked Peter is, do you love me? And then maybe that second that follow-up question is, do you love me more than these? Whatever these are. Whatever that thing is that maybe has, has sort of creeped in and encroached upon the throne of your life. Something that you've elevated to a place that it ought not be elevated. And, and Jesus is simply asking you to take that off of the throne of your life and to put him on the throne of your, your life. See, the Apostle Paul is, is setting out instructions for the church of Corinth when they gather around the table. Right? And they, they would have this big full meal and there would be a time where they would, would come together and... and he, and he said, this is basically a time that, that when you, you do this, it's a time that you, you, you do two things. It's that you remember the Lord's death. That when we come together around this table, 
when we come forward and we receive the elements, that it is a tangible declaration and confession of the fact that we believe that Jesus has died. Taken our sin and our death and our shame and that he has provided for us his righteousness. That we're declaring him as Lord. But there's a, there's a second piece to this that Paul tells the church of Corinth. And he says that as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you declare the Lord's death until he comes. We point and we say, Jesus is coming. It's a, it's a witness. Today we're not going to be able to, to come and to sit around a table. But these dear friends, they're, they're going to take some of these elements and they're going to fan out and... Debbie and Gina are going to be over here and Corey and Lindsay over on that side and Kate and Carol are going to stand right in this area and we're going to invite you to come and to do two things today. If you are a follower of Jesus, I want to let you know you are welcome. You're welcome around this table to declare that he is Lord and to witness the same before these saints. You may be thinking to yourself, you know, Dennis, man, it's been a long time. It's been a long time since I've been in a room like this. It's been a long time. And you, you talk about successes and failures, but man, my list of failures is a lot longer than my list of successes. Can I tell you, join the club. You see, here's the, here's the amazing thing about the table of God that Jesus has set for us is that there's always more room. There's always a chair. There's always a place. So you're invited to come, to declare him, to trust him. As, as you come, the, the servers, the, the elders will, will, will present the, the elements, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. You are free and you are welcome to take those elements right here with them. You're free to go back to your, your, your chair and, and to take them um, but we're not going to do anything, you know, together in, in unison or anything like that. But we're just, it's a, it's a family that's coming together to remember Jesus. Carol's going to pray. We're going to hand out the elements and we're going to sing. And as they do, just... Come forward as the Lord leads. So Carol, would you ask the Lord's blessing, please? Dear spotless Lamb of God, we come to the end of a holy week. Um, it's been a time that we could spend remembering the incredible gift of love that you gave to us. We saw you in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, when you cried those tears of agony. We watched you in the, in the, when you were on trial and the humiliation and the the uh, punishment that you took there, and then the complete agony on the cross, Lord, we can't imagine. But then Sunday came, yes. and what was meant for humiliation and defeat, Lord, was a victory, and we are so thankful for that. Yes. Lord, we are so thankful for your love, but we're also thankful that you gave us the Lord's Supper, where you've asked us to remember this, and to remind us that we don't forget, and we remember this incredible live love so that we can go out and share it with others as well. And so we accept this supper today, Lord, your blessing on us. And we just, in your incredible name, we offer this. Amen. Amen.
everything changed It's getting harder to recognize The person I was Before I encountered Christ I don't walk like I used to I don't talk like I used to I've been washed from Come to the, the table. inside I've been washed from the inside out Hallelujah Hallelujah And though it was the blood Could have only been the blood Hallelujah Hallelujah I know it was the blood could have only been the plan. I cannot explain, but nothing's more real than this. In the presence of God, oh, what my heart experienced. When my shame hit the wayside And my sin met the most high I was washed from the inside I was washed from the inside out Hallelujah, hallelujah I know it was the blood Could have only been the blood the blood For acceptance, let me tell you, it's only by the blood. It's never been about deserving or earning. It's a gift that's freely given. Let me tell you, it's only by the blood. It's never better than to be holy or righteous, purified and spotless. Let me tell you. It's only by the blood Does anybody want to be worthy Forgiven Justified Really living Let me tell you It's only by the blood Hallelujah Hallelujah Though it was the blood Could have only been can I say thank you is not enough Jesus your grace 
Your mercy poured out for us. I will love you forever. Here on earth into heaven. I've been washed from the inside. I've been washed from the inside out. I've been washed from the inside out. How precious, how generous your blood poured out for us. How precious, how generous we remember. You paid it in full, you paid it in blood, you paid it for us, Jesus. Let's stand together. a moment when the lights went out when death had claimed its victory the king of love had given up his life the darkest day in history there on the cross they made for sinners for every curse his blood atoned One final breath and it was finished But not the ends we could have known For the earth began to shake And the veil was torn what sacrifice was made as the heavens roared? All hail King Jesus! All hail the Lord of heaven and earth! All hail King Lit up. A flash 
flash of light breaking through when all was lost he crossed eternity the king of life was on the move for in a dark cold tomb where our lord was saved one miraculous breath and we're forever
He is risen. Not just today. Every day. And you know how to live that resurrection? It's not about your accomplishments. It's not about our hard work. It's directly connected to our commitment to love and to follow Jesus. Not perfectly, but intentionally. To head in the direction that he's going. Thank you so much for being here, for celebrating this, this time with us. Uh, as we dismiss, please don't forget to worship through giving of your, your tithes and your offerings back in the, in the little bucket back there at the, on the table as you, you exit. We hope to see you again very, very soon. So, in the name of the one who restored Peter, for the sake of the one who has given his life, broken body, shed blood for you, may you, his sons and daughters, go in his peace. Have a wonderful day.